The flight attendant raised an eyebrow as she locked eyes on our tickets. Do you know what Kananara is like? She asked smudgely. I suppose it was understandable as she was curious about anyone with a one-way ticket to the most remote part of Australia, especially a young couple who barely spoke English with three small children in tow. As she placed our luggage onto the trolley, I lifted the baby a little higher on my hip, confidently pushed a stray brown curl off my face and summoned every ounce of false bravado to plaster a smile across my face. The stubborn German blood that ran through my veins was not prepared to give even the slightest hint of the crippling fear that had stolen my sleep since my husband, Friedrich, dropped a bombshell six months earlier. We were moving to Australia. Welcome to the Good Reading Magazine podcast, sponsored by Pantera Press. Good Reading is a monthly magazine dedicated to books and reading and aims to help readers discover their next favourite book. You can find out more about the books discussed on today's podcast at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. Hi and welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. My name is Angus. You just heard Frauke Bolton-Bosshammer reading from her new memoir, A Diamond in the Dust. It's the story of an epic journey and a huge risk. In 1981, Frauke and her husband, Friedrich, left the lush German farm they were raising three kids on to set up a new farm in the bone-dry, crocodile-infested expanses of the Kimberley in Western Australia. Frauke's life in Australia brought tragedy and triumph, but it was her own German stubbornness, with the help of some of the region's sparkling argyle pink diamonds, that allowed Frauke to forge an empire and create a family in the outback. Frauke, thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's a pleasure too. Thank you. Your childhood in Germany sounds like a scene straight out of The Sound of Music. In fact, you say in the memoir that watching that movie makes you a little bit homesick. It was. Yeah, no, and also because I lost my mother when I was two, I loved the the movie, movie Sound of Music, but the Germans started the movie first. It's not the English version you know. Oh. It's it's a bit it's a little bit different, but I loved the female actor who took the role on as the mother. Oh, <laughs> and that was a time before my father wasn't married again. Yeah. So, oh, I longed that to have a mother. So there's a whole other version that you're referring yes. to. Yeah. Oh, there yeah. you go. Well, what memories do you have from being a small girl growing up in Germany? Oh, it was very tough because my father couldn't handle the deaths very well and he was extremely strict with us, which maybe has helped me to come with um, all my other tragedy later in life uh, through it. But it, it wasn't easy. We, we didn't laugh at home we, and we were quite isolated. We lived on a farm and a bit far away from other kids to play with. Well, when you were 17, you went to do an apprenticeship in what we would call home economics with yeah. the Bolton family. Yeah. So what did that entail? Oh, the, you you have to cook, you have to clean, you uh, everything, because we, we had other people uh, living with us as also apprentices, and uh, they, they live with you, so you have to them for breakfast, lunch and dinner. You have to wash and clean after them too. Yeah, but it, it was a good experience for life. At this stage in your life, what did you imagine the rest of your life playing out like? Oh, I, I would finish my education and maybe run the domestic side of a hospital or youth centre or 
something like that. Uh, yeah, that was my my plan. And you would stay in Germany? Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was at this stage that you met your first husband, Friedrich. Yeah. Um, later on, after you were married, how did he convince you to go to Africa with toddlers in tow? Yeah, we, we were staying there for 10 months. I liked it because I wouldn't have to go through a German winter and I wanted to have some sun. And it turned out it was the hottest year in 50 years in Africa. Wow. And because it was then Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe, and... Uh, uh, we it was uh, had sanctions, uh, and we we had not even a fan in the hottest time or so. It was it was a bit tough, but I made wonderful friends. I'm still friends with our former boss and his wife and his family. It uh, still was a good time. Yeah, had you done much travel before then? Like, was it no. quite difficult for you? For to... me, it was the first flight. First flight straight into what is now Zimbabwe. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Via London. And then to to Salisbury, it was called then, now it's Harare. And I never forget all the, it was October and all the, the blue trees were flowering along the way. It was beautiful. It does sound absolutely beautiful. So not uh, long after, you moved back to Germany um, into what sounds like a very beautiful farmhouse that mm. you built. Mm. Um, but then Friedrich sprung this madcap idea to move to the other side of the world, to the outback. <laughs> yeah. I had a shock, and I didn't want to move again. Um, I think just because I, I lost my mother so early that I, I feel like I'm a tree who who doesn't want to be replanted, you know, a bit grown up, but that's how I feel. And uh, he had to talk me really into it. We had big fights, and I just agreed to it when he told me, oh, this is just for two years. So I said, two years, I can handle that. Yeah, because he had visited this place called Kununurra, which yeah. is a town in Western Australia. What excited him about the place? Like, why did he want to move so badly? Look, he loved the heat. Um, this place has abundant of water. The, the soil is very good. It's not sand. It's really heavy clay. And there was a harbour next, you know, only 100 kilometres away, which is very important if you start something at Swindham. So um, that he loved it, just loved it. So he obviously convinced you to go, and you say that arriving in Kununurra with the heat and the clouds of black flies was like arriving in hell. Why was it so challenging when you first got there? What did you make of Australia in Kununurra? Oh, look, I have said it before, but when I flew, and because Kununurra hasn't got its own tower, they need to fly once around the town to see if it's free to, to land, I thought not an intelligent soul can live here. And I have to swallow that. I have met so many nice, wonderful, very intelligent people in Kananara. But at that stage, I thought that. And I, I've never been so far away. And, and it is isolated even today. Yes, it is. So what did the place look like when you first moved in? Oh, quite bare. Not... And it, it was still quite young. I mean, it's only over 50 years old in altogether, and I, I'm there now for 37 years. How big is the property? We we bought three farms, so that was about oh, 
over 1,000 hectares. The farmers had grown cotton, but that was a failure because they grew it cotton after cotton after cotton, which you can't do. Yeah, so you started experimenting with different crops, right, when yeah, you got there to see yeah, what would work. It, yeah. That sounded like a really difficult process. Oh, it is. It, it was, and it's, it's, farming is different in Australia, in Kananara, than it was in, in Germany. And I think Friedrich overestimated this big challenge. What sort of crop ended up doing quite well on that land? In the end, it was soya beans. We started with mung beans, soya beans, and in, later on it was melons, watermelons, rock melons, pumpkins. That, that went very well. Okay, yeah. watermelons. I, I think I remember from the memoir that that was one of the things that Frederick said, that the watermelons grow so big. That's yes. one of the lines he used to try and yeah. convince you, right? Yeah, and it's it, true. They can grow really big, yeah, yeah. Australia has a bit of an international reputation for being a country full of creatures that all want to kill you. Uh, did it live up to that reputation? Yes, it did. <laughs> we had crocs. Uh, we live so close to the Odd River. There were crocs the lot and snakes. And when we moved into our house, it was very dirty. But um, lots of uh, geckos. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. And they're poo everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there is, is one really fabulous story in there later in the memoir about a young croc thrashing through your house just at Christmas time. Yeah. That was very entertaining. Yes, <laughs> it was. But it was a, 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 not a salt water. It was a freshwater crocodile. Okay. They're, they're less dangerous. Yes, not as inclined to no. eat people, right? Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, reading reading the memoir, it, it sounds really, really difficult for you those first three years with the loneliness that you felt like you couldn't even make a call, right? We could make a call, but quite often the, you couldn't hear people very well. And if you phoned Germany, three minutes cost $50, uh, even even then in 81, so it was even more than now $50, yeah. you know. It, we, we didn't do that, you know, not very often. And if we had written down what we wanted to say, so uh, nothing could could last in the three minutes. Really? So you used to have to script your phone yeah. calls, basically? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Mm. I guess if you've only got three minutes, that's what you've got to do. That changed in November 84 when we got STD and ISD. Oh, that was oh so good. Arriving in the modern age, finally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so those first few years were, were very difficult. But what began to change your mind about Kununurra? What did you begin to love about it? Oh, look, the people are very nice. And we even after three weeks, we started playing tennis, also with Steffi, who always beat me. I never did win one game <laughs> with Steffi, and <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> but uh, the people are very nice, and the scenery is very nice. All the water, the hills around, it's not flat like Broome or... It's very nice. Yeah. yeah. What's it like during the wet season? If you can stand the heat, it's fantastic with the waterfalls. Please do come in the in the wet season too. Honestly, it's it's great. You don't experience that, and then there are not so many people. So mm. It's free for you. Yeah, absolutely. It does sound very dramatic with those torrents of oh, rain that can rip the gutters yeah. from roofs and everything. It does. It does. Yeah. And the storms and all the lightning is... We just sat recently again on our veranda and watched the lightning. It, It's a movie. Yeah. It's like a movie. Yeah, one of the best shows on earth, I can yes, imagine. Yeah. yeah. So three years after you moved to Kununurra, your husband, Frederick, took his own life. Yeah. Um, how did you cope? with that now that you're on this huge 
remote property really on your own now. See, I'm, I even need to close my eyes. It was horrible because I wasn't sure. And I, by then I had my fourth child. Maria was only 20 months old. I didn't know my future. Mm. I did at, at that stage when it happened, I did not know my future. If if I could stay, if I should back, go back to Germany, which, of course, my family pushed me heavily. Mm. Uh, but in the end, I decided also for the kids to stay in Australia. I didn't want to uproot them. And they had settled very well. They loved it. It was warm. Yeah, they really settled and, and felt felt at home. And I couldn't leave the area to the spirit of Friedrich was there and and all his hard work. He put worked so hard and he was so proud when he started one piece of land which was really very heavy clay, really gray. And he the, he was the first one who ever worked it and, and got the first crop and he was very proud of it. I just couldn't give it all up. And I didn't want to go back to Germany that people feel sorry for me. If somebody is so unwell, it, it's a sickness. How can you be cross with them? How can you? Yeah, I, I didn't want that. I, I didn't want that. Reading the memoir, you learned that suicide has touched your life many times. Yeah. So do you hope that writing about it and sharing these stories, it, it begins to help people? Because it does seem to be something that really affects people in rural areas a lot. It, a lot, yeah. No, it, it, it is. You even it, it can be a little bit in your genes, and mm. I had no idea whatsoever. It's, and that's why my main reason was that I agreed to write the book in okay. this big way too. If I can have one family that they know, oh, there is a, a risk with my son or a cousin, yeah, it's that's very important to know. Yeah, Because we haven't said now that our Peter died too, my son, of suicide. The pain, losing a son that way. But, you know, I'm... I'm I'm such a positive person. I always said to myself, if he would have been murdered and that what the police thought, it was so dif- dif- different what, how he did it, that that's even worse if he would have been murdered. Mm. Because then you start hating, and hating is not good. We still don't know why, but uh, we talk about him, and I got so many new grandkids, and yeah, and I know he's in heaven. I'm a Christian. He's in heaven and and is fishing there. That was his big hobby. You did stay in this country yeah. that had uh, given you so many challenges. And mm. one of the things that kept you there was discovered by a geologist named Maureen Muggeridge. Yeah. Who was she and what did she discover? She did discover the uh, the Argar diamonds, the pink diamonds. In, 19, in the 1970s, is yeah. that right? Yeah. yeah. So how did that discovery change your life? How did you come into oh, contact look, with these I, diamonds? I had a friend in, in Perth who had a jewellery shop and the, and uh, uh, I could buy myself into it. And that started that I had a, a, a little showcase in a, in a shop of a friend and then we had it on our uh, veranda uh, the the guest who went to the Argal mine came to our place. I offered coffee and tea and a bit more, and so maybe they would buy some. And yeah, my first sale really was on our veranda um, before I had the shop. 
So what do you love about selling diamonds? Is it something you'd ever imagined, something you'd do, starting no, a business and, no, and all of this? No, I was, when I started it, I was 43. I had my fifth child with Robert, my new husband, and never, because being in, in domestic science or whatever you call it, it's it's very different. But you can do a lot if you put your love and energy into it and don't mind to work hard. That uh, That's what I did, yeah. Yeah, you just mm. mentioned Robert there. How did you meet him and how did that relationship Oh, he wanted around? to borrow machinery and so he got some machinery and that started into something and we are married now for 32 years. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So is it kind of like he looks after the farm and you look after the diamonds or are you both across both projects? No, I'm, I'm, I'm still interested in farming. I mean, mm. I grew up on a farm and I'm still interested, but I, I haven't got the, um, the time to, to do much on the farm anymore. I used to do that I, when we still had melons that I cooked every 10 days for the crew because they were poor backpackers who lived maybe in a tent and couldn't cook for themselves. So every 10 days I spoiled them. They yeah. would have loved that, a bit of hot food for yeah. a hungry backpacker. And a nice dessert and, yeah, no, they loved it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You do, your sort of love of cooking comes through quite a bit in the memoir. Yeah, yeah. What sort of spreads would you put on for these hungry backpackers or visitors? I made roast. Roast was my very famous is sauce. My grandkids love it. Oh, Moody, can you do when, when you are in Melbourne? Can you do uh, roast with um, this famous uh, gravy? Gravy is better. Oh, fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. Good old German recipes, I yes. assume. Yes, oh, for my mother-in-law. Yes. Oh, lovely. Mm. So, with the diamonds, what are some of the your most favourite pieces that you've sold or designed over the years? We we like to combine some colours. And we, I mean, Agal is known for for mainly for their pink champagne, pink diamonds. They're, and they're so rare, uh, it's a good investment. Uh, you even can buy it from your uh, super fund. Um, but also the champagne. So we like to have white inner ring, a white diamond, and maybe two champagnes in the same color on the side. But we made, for example, when. A very special piece when uh, Bez did the Australia Baz movie Lerman, in yeah. in in, Aust- in Kananara, and we made a special piece for that. Fantastic, because that's when the cast and crew sort of took over your home, right? But you weren't really sure what was happening at the time. Exactly, yeah, no, because they didn't have Kananara was swamped by Hollywood, and uh, so uh, we offered our house and and. In the end, Bez took over and lived in our house, and we lived for that time with my son yeah. in their guest room. It seems like you've been at the centre of some very fantastic events that have really put Kananara on the map. So it, it seems like you've gone from maybe moving there so many years ago to now being one of its greatest advocates. Is that right? Yeah, could be. Could be. I mean, the, the shop is is uh, quite big now and it's i had c- customers from london in there and she said oh, what have you got f- on stock here i wish you would be in london too you know yes yeah yeah okay. that could yeah. be a new venture <laughs> no i'm 71 and 
I I think I did most of my part. Yes, you're done with the relocations. Yes. <laughs> okay. So even now that you're a through and through woman of the outback, uh, it seems that you you really maintain your connection to Germany. Yeah. And I was interested to read that you keep two pieces of the Berlin Wall framed on your wall. Yes. Um, what significance does that have for you? Oh, look, where we when we lived in Germany. Uh, on the, our second farm, which was only five kilometers away from the border. And whenever we had guests, and sometimes just we went to the border and started waving, but nothing came back. And it was for us Germans just horrible that we were divided. And even now, it's uh, since 89, the wall came down, but it's still a bit divided. It's, uh, we still not have come enough together even after all these years it's 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 horrible it's to to divide and they couldn't in the east they couldn't leave the country they were very spied on they couldn't talk freely i can tell one example we have been in berlin and then you need wanted to go to the west and we were in the train and there was an older couple uh, in the train and they didn't say anything they were but as soon as we were in in West Germany, they started talking. Unbelievable. They were just frightened that there were tra- in the train some hearing devices and they could be heard and talked. Yeah, it, it was unbelievable. And we couldn't, we as West Germans, at least at our time, we couldn't go into the East. Do you remember where you were and how you found out that the wall had actually come down? Oh, yes, I was in Kananara, mm-hmm. and I, I remember, I think the world was so positive about it that the news were 15 minutes nonstop about the wall come down. And I thought when he, when, when the wall came down, Friedrich, I wanted a telephone call into heaven and, and tell you the wall has come down. To let him know, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, do you go back to Germany quite often? Every year. Every year, lovely. Yeah, I'm getting older and, and uh, they get older and I just need to sniff a bit home. Even home is now really Kananara, but uh, it, it, I need to do that for my own sake. I would think a lot of people who read your memoir, Diamond in the Dust, would uh, be very tempted to visit Kananara. What's there to do up there? What What's on the bucket list in Kananara? Oh, Kananara. Look, we have also uh, El Cuestro uh, there, which is uh, wonderful to visit, to stay there. Uh, I mean, you don't need even going into the homestead. That's uh, quite inexpensive, but you can go to the station or Emma Gorge and stay in a tent, in a very luxury tent. It's and there We have the waterfalls. That's always warm. Uh, Sebedee Springs. There's a lot to see in Kananara because we have all the water. Mm. It's, uh, I think people even, I, I, because I, I meet a lot of tourists and they said, oh, it's even more interesting than Broom in Kananara. The nature is still there. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Mm. Your book is so, so compelling. I, I just devoured it in one one big gulp. It was really, really fantastic. <laughs> a lot of people have said that. Yeah. yeah. So how does it feel to have your whole life bound up in a little book and now out in the world? Yeah, at least a lot of people pushed me to do it. And uh, luckily we could find Sue, or Sue found me. She approached me to write the book, and luckily I agreed. And 
it's uh, I still if I see the book in 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 all the bookshops now it oh that's me <laughs> <laughs> did you find it quite a, a difficult process or a, or a nice process to look back over your life and both and... because it brings back hardship memories uh Overall, no, it was maybe a little bit more painful, but overall, now I'm happy with the result and I'm happy it's there. Yeah. And that the, the reader, whoever it is, can enjoy it too and feels good. And all I can say, stay positive, happy, have your dreams, don't put it away, do it now and not in 10 years. And I've also said uh, it's... Uh, it's better if you have a dream and start it, and even it might not be successful, but that you have done it, than if you say, I wish I would have tried, but it's too late now. Maybe That's what I say about riding a horse. In my next life, haha, <laughs> I will ride a horse, but now it's too late for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't be surprised because you've achieved so much throughout your life, so I wouldn't be surprised if that's the next string that you can add to your bow. <laughs> <laughs> I might break too many bones. <laughs> Frauke, thank you so much for coming in. I've had a wonderful time chatting to you and an absolutely amazing time reading your book. So thank, thank you so much. Thank you too, Angus. Thank you. A Diamond in the Dust by Frauke Bolton Bosshammer is out now through Simon & Schuster. You can find it at any good bookshop, including Good Readings online bookshop at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. Thanks for listening.